Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Like, and when you consider that our God, our king, it's not like the, the human picture we have for a king. When we consider that this is what he did, he died for us that we could have forgiveness for our sins. And it is amazing love. And we're going to go into Matthew this morning in a parable, but we're going to talk, be talking about forgiveness. So then, I just want you to keep this in mind. Like, because this will be significant as we consider to the extent to which we have already been forgiven and the cost of that forgiveness. But we're going to, I'm then going to go forward again. There. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. And I'll give you, if you have your Bible, I'll give you a chance to turn there. Um, and then once we're there, we'll read this together. But this is interesting, because here we have Peter, and he's talking to Jesus about forgiveness. And he starts with this, and he says this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And stop at this point and realize, like, Peter wasn't trying to be stingy with the amount of forgiveness. He wasn't trying. If anything, he's like, well, I I know that I ought to forgive, and this is a good thing, and I'm going to... Well, I'll do it seven times. That's beyond what is reasonable, isn't it? Look at what Jesus' response was. He said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times. And honestly, he's not even trying to say, that's the magic number. No, it's this sense which indefinitely. Again and again and again. Are you to forgive your brother? Let's open with a word of prayer as we start with that thought on forgiveness. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you remind us of this great work. You even give us the opportunity this morning to think on that. God, I pray that you would work here among us as we spend time looking and trying to understand your word. We pray that we would be changed because of your word and your truth. We ask you to pour out your spirit here that you'd bless our efforts at understanding and moving and heading in the right direction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get into the, the parable that we're actually going to talk about this morning, I want to ask you that question. How easy do you forgive? Like, I'm not going to actually ask, get you to give that me a rating, but say between one and five in your head. How easy, how quick are you to forgive? <laughs> well, because even if I feel like I'm good at forgiving, I can think of examples right now where it's still, oh, you ever have that? It's like, I should just forgive. I should be able to move past that. I, but yet it is something that we struggle with. But yet it's significant. But yet Jesus was to say that, yeah, you ought to do that again and again and again. Let's look at the example that Jesus does bring here. And it starts with this idea. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. 
like to give you some understanding though of this parable, there already we have exaggeration going on here. Because this term, 10,000 talents, let's put it in perspective. You know the Sea of Galilee and the region of Galilee? All the revenue for one entire year, 200 talents. Herod the Great ruled over all of this area, much more than Galilee and everything else. His entire yearly income, 900 talents. More than 10 times the yearly income of the king in that area. This is what is owed. You know that's an exaggeration at this point as he's telling it. And parables tend to do that. You will see in Scripture as you read through and you hit this parable, just the nature of it being as a story to compare, exaggeration happens. But yet, in one certain sense, when we see who is pictured here, this kind is not going to be an exaggeration. Let's go on. And it says this, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Very optimistic servant. We just told you how much money this was. I'm going to pay you everything. Very optimistic. But yet, verse 27, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This is huge. Like as you're, Even though it's a comparison, a story, there was forgiveness for a debt that he could have never paid. It was beyond his capacity. Any regular individual within this would have been a fraction of the 200 talents. This was way more than 10 times the amount of the king's annual income. It was beyond his capacity to ever pay this, but yet this is what was forgiven him. So you think, this is an amazing story of grace, forgiveness. And yet, if you know the story, let's go on. Here we have in verse 28, but that same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Fraction. Not like, this is now down into normal income levels here. A fraction of the amount. He says, 100 denarii, and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow, fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Notice the similarity? But yet his response is here. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now the idea here of putting someone in prison, debtor's prison, in this time, it actually was practice. To me, it doesn't really make sense. How's someone going to pay you when they're in prison? But this was the normal practice. If you acquired such a debt that you could not repay, that person who had the, owned the debt had the right, legal right, put you in prison. They had the right to sell you into slavery. There's a number of things. But yet, how could this person, having been forgiven so much, respond this way? And that question, that response was not lost on these other fellow servants. He says this, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Seems like an obvious question. Seems like an obvious response. When you're seeing those side by side in that comparison, any normal, logical person, it's got to see that. But here's the struggle comes. Because in the same way as actually 
If you're familiar with it, there's a story about King David. Different king, not this king. King of Israel. He had been in sin. He actually had, a, it was an adulterous relationship that he'd had. And then the prophet Nathan comes before him with a, a story about this lamb and how the, the, this other king, this other rich person, had stolen this poor man's one lamb. And the King David at that point becomes enraged. He says, how could that happen? And I'm reminded of Nathan's words to King David. You are the man. Because you, king, could have all of this, but yet you committed adultery. Then you went and had the husband of this woman killed. But in the midst of that, he didn't see it. Didn't see the, the, the moral of that story in the same way at times. This is why we need this reminder. Because as much as when Jesus lines up these two stories, this parable, the contrast is huge. We need to be reminded of that contrast. We need to be reminded regularly of what our forgiveness actually looks like. Well, let's carry on further. And to, to highlight some of the, the importance of this connection that he's putting here, he says, And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. These are strong words. There's no way around it. You, like I read these words and I think, wow. It underlines something. It underlines the fact there is a, an important connection between forgiving others and our forgiveness from God. And, and then I'm, we, it, it's going to raise some questions as you think through that. Even that thought of, well, is he saying that this forgiveness was then taken back? Like, there's a lot of questions that come. And we're going to dig through some of this. Because as we look at this idea of forgiveness, there's another spot in Scripture where it really becomes apparent, this connection between forgiving others and the forgiveness we have from God. And let's go over there. It's, in, it's also in Matthew. It's chapter 6. Because this is the Lord's Prayer. And here, I'll read it for you. We have, pray then like this. Oh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To highlight the importance here, the only thing that we're required in this is to forgive others. So the first question, is it important to forgive others? The answer is yes. got to say though, it, it, again, this race is almost a, a question here. It's like, in this one, it seems like this prayer puts it first, that we were supposed to forgive others before we can get forgiven from God. If that raises a red flag in your head, you're not alone. Um, but it's not the same. And, and we're going to get more to this. In a couple of ways in which this is not quite the same, is this, it's not to the same extent. And that's in that, there is no way that our imperfect forgiveness of others can rightly be compared to the perfect forgiveness from God. Just It can't be the same that way. But it also can't be to the same degree. Because you think about it. I have sinned against God. There is no way in which someone else can sin enough against me to be the same as what I've already sinned against God. So even if it's by that way, well, no, it can't be considered the same there either. 
it is different. Because you look here, as we say, our debts, and as we, they're just not the same. But it's also the fact, it's not just a timeline. And we know that because as much as here in Matthew, it says, it gives that sense that the forgiveness comes first, then God's forgiveness. Go over to Luke, it, says, it gives verse 4 there. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Again, it actually seems to put it into the present tense. One was past, this is present. This idea is many places, and another place is Ephesians. Because here, this is Paul now writing. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tended hover." Tended harder, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now we're into past tense. Like, so future, present, past. The, the authors of the scripture are not trying to give us a timeline here in that sense of this, then this. But what they are emphasizing is again this connection between the two. And that's where we're made that. that. But also here, this idea God's forgiveness is not the result of believers forgiving others. Because think about it as simple as salvation comes by faith alone. We're justified by faith. Every time as the gospel is preached, as Jesus teaches the gospel, what he emphasizes is faith and repentance, not forgiving others. And we see that, for example, in Romans. And it says that, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope and glory of God. Our salvation is not a work salvation, so it's, it's, it can't line up that same way, this impression we have, as though God's forgiveness is somehow a result of our forgiveness of others. It just it, That's not it. Or here, in all, later in Romans, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So you're coming here also, that idea, it's, it's not that it's going to be then taken away either. This leaves us then, what is this important connection about? And I would say it's this. Having tasted God's forgiveness the believer is now both willing and able to forgive others. There is absolutely a connection, and it is emphasized strongly in so many places in the New Testament, this connection that I have been forgiven from God, therefore I'm going to easily and freely forgive others. But it's not, it's not the same way as I have forgiveness because I have forgiven others. That's just not it. And we would have missed the boat if that's where we land. But rather, it, the opposite could be true in saying, this person says they are a believer, but they cannot forgive this other believer. They just can't seem to do it. I would begin to raise the question, have they truly understood God's forgiveness? And that's where this sort of connection, as you can say, in the same way, in the Lord's Prayer, it seems like if you can't forgive others, 
and you have no part with God. In the same way at the end of this parable where he says, if you could not forgive your fellow servant, you have no part with me. And he casts it. It's because if you don't have this capacity, some part of it, you've missed the understanding of what you already have been given. Because as you think and contemplate on that, that will result in a change of you, a change of your capacity. Like back to this verse here in Ephesians, we were here before. Like, this is so important. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, with, along with all malice. Everything that's happening in verse 31 here, those things come as you can't forgive others. When you can't let that go, when you can't share that love and compassion that's been shared to you, you're right, bitterness can be in your heart, anger. All of those things can be there. But rather, we are to this. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, as God, as Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Or here in another, this isn't the same parable in Luke. This is a different parable, talking about a debtor. And these are Jesus' words. He says, when they could not, could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon, that's Simon Peter, answered, the one I suppose from, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. There is that connection, that this is a motivation towards forgiveness. It's the, it, understanding that. Or here, this is Jesus again speaking, John, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This is something that's identifying core to a believer. This change ought to happen. And that's why we do come and say, yeah, if we have tasted that sweet forgiveness of God, that is the motivation. That is giving us, helping us that capacity to forgive and do it freely. With all this other additional understanding, let's go back here to this parable. Because it says here, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Again, we start to see who's, this, who's the fellow servant. It's us. Because we are the same ones who have been forgiven this amount that is beyond our capacity. Because you realize that. One sin. None of us actually have the ability to get right with God on the basis of one sin. Let alone all of our sin. It's just beyond our capacity. In the same way that it was beyond this servant's capacity to ever repay this debt, when you realize that that debt was more than ten times the annual income of the king. Just wasn't ever going to happen. But yet we have that same sweet forgiveness. That's the comparison we see here. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. But no, when he asked for forgiveness, he was given it. He was granted it freely. And it was beyond actually what he'd even asked for. What he asked for was more time. And he was given it was something so much more than simply more time. And then how could he come here to choke this fellow servant. So 
like, it's not that this was his servant. This was another servant of the king. In that same comparison for us, perhaps another believer. That's the picture that's given here. He says, but I wouldn't do that. Have you ever been here? They haven't earned my forgiveness yet. They might not be able to earn it. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Just not right. Um, for me, usually it's not so much time, but that idea sometimes of it's just not right, I gotta relinquish it. I gotta let it over. I can still, even as I'm standing here today, I'll account for you. I, and sometimes it's not always against me personally, but like things I'm involved with, I get passionate about church, habitat, other things. Our new store, almost a year ago today, we're doing a fundraiser. And it's the day of giving. And we're out there with our little you know, plastic tubs trying to raise some money to finish that building. And it's still not finished. But anyway. And then someone else called up and says, hey, we want to donate the use of our sound system. We want to play some music for you while we're doing this. Great, come on over. One of our neighbors of that building got upset that the music was loud. And rather than step outside and ask us to turn the music down, called the police. And the police came. Under this, it's just not right. My, okay, you can see. It bothers me. But honestly, though, it still, in my mind, doesn't seem right. That person has never asked for forgiveness, never repented of it. In their mind, they were justified. Can't imagine how. You ever been there, though? For you, it could be something entirely different. Not, not the same at all. But have you ever been that same part? Where you're just stuck on it. It's not right. Maybe then you're even stuck on the point. They haven't even come to me and asked for repentance. They haven't asked to make it right. Here, here's another part as we get to this point. It is our responsibility as believers to be ready and willing to forgive that we need to let go of that bitterness, of that wrath, of that anger. We are not to hold on to it. That's clear from Jesus' teaching. Now that doesn't diminish the other part, like the other believer ought to repent and be forgiven for their sins, and if they are unrepentant about sin, that is another matter. And just because you are ready and willing to forgive does not then mean that that somehow made their, them right with God. No, they are still required before God to stand as to how they account for their actions, their beliefs, their repentance or not repentance. They are there. And they ought to. Then if they have wronged you, go and ask for that repentance. But irregardless... We're given this connection. And do you know what? When you look in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive others, their debts and their sins. It actually doesn't put the requirement that they've made it right. It doesn't put the requirement that you've even asked for it. But it's saying that we ought to not hold on to that. And the reason, have they earned it yet? Maybe not. They don't deserve it. Maybe not. It's just not right. Maybe not. It's on the basis of what we've been forgiven from God. It's on the basis and the connection to that thought 
that my sin is like that 10,000 talents. And it puts it in a whole other perspective, because we don't have talents today. But would you realize that my sins, like that idea of more than 10 times the king's annual income, I'm not the king, and I don't have that capacity to pay that, but I've been forgiven that. When you line them up side by side, you're like, this makes sense. The way we get through this is we regularly, in our mind, line them up side by side and preach the gospel to yourself regularly. Remind yourself regularly that the reason that I'm letting go of that bitterness, that anger, that whatever, is not because of that person, but ultimately because God has asked me to, and He has already forgiven me. That's why. Carry on towards... More of this then? When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Rightfully so. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And then also here it says, In his anger, master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You've got to ask, when, when you get to that point and you see believers that they steadfastly refuse to forgive. I'm, I'm not saying, oh, they're not perfect at forgiving. But it seems as though they don't have the capacity to forgive fellow Christians, it raises a serious question then. Have they tasted of God's forgiveness? Because the scripture does talk about it in multiple places. And it's not the sense in which this person isn't a believer and then they just don't and they're losing something. That's not it. But believers... We should be convicted by this. We should see and understand, I can have this capacity. And maybe it's not easy for me, but I need to work at that. Because if I have tasted this forgiveness, and I know that capacity, that extent, then the believer must be willing and able to forgive others. Because it's not about that other person, and it's not about it being right, it's not about this and this equals this and they wronged me. That's not the point. And that's why Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And I got to say, for almost any believer to have the same person come back to you again and again and again and again and again, you, you're like I. Yeah, that's why it's a struggle. But none of that takes us away from let us be willing and able to forgive. And not because of that other person. But let us be willing and able to forgive because I'm regularly remembering God has forgiven me for so much more. At this point, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way you remind us 
for all that you have done for us. God, I ask that you would help us to preach that gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves regularly. We don't measure up to you, but you have forgiven us. Help us know this. Help us remember this. Help us then to share freely the same type, even if I'm imperfect, forgiveness that you gave us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.